0: The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: The advice given on this show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended as investment advice. Please consult a financial advisor before undertaking any investment decisions. While the show's producers have tried to provide accurate and timely information and have relied on sources they believe to be reliable, the show may include inadvertent technical or factual inaccuracies. Ken Smith and Ethan Broga do not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the materials provided and expressly disclaim any warranties or merchantability or fitness for a particular purpose. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. Fasten in your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life.
2: Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. I'm Ken Smith, certified financial planner and CEO of. Seattle-based wealth management firm, Empirical Wealth Management. Along my side here is Ethan Broga. Hey, Ken. Good morning, Ethan. Good morning. Good afternoon. What time is it, anyways? Sometime. And we don't track time (laughs) here. We work around the clock. That's right. Uh, Ethan's also a certified financial planner with a master's degree in financial planning. He's the head of the financial planning committee here at uh, Empirical Wealth Management. And uh, this show, Empirical Investing Radio, is designed to share with you, the individual investor out there or financial advisor, practices that will help you make smart financial decisions for a lifetime, Wanna help you maximize and protect your wealth. That's right. So today, Ethan, uh, why don't you give out our, uh, we've got a lot of topics that we thought of we can talk about, wealth building and protecting mm-hmm. ideas. Um. What was that? I heard something. Okay, don't worry about it. Right. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about inflation. We're gonna talk about some tax strategies. And uh, to start sure we're gonna get into some questions. We haven't been in the dug into the mailbag that we've gotten from various listeners and uh, investors out there. Before we do that, would you mind uh, giving out our contact information and talking a little bit about how we can help individuals um, and financial advisors. Sounds good. All right. Uh,
3: as always, you can reach us if you have questions or, or comments on the show uh, at contact at radio.com or 800-254-0398. And as we've mentioned in the past, um, one of the things we're, we're looking to do, actually a couple of things. First thing is that if you need help directly, if you're an individual investor out there looking for advice, uh, looking for an unbiased professional to help guide your investment and financial planning decisions, we'd love to talk with you. Um, uh, our number, again, is 800-254-0398. And can I think as a... You know, I, I think... Um, okay, go ahead, Ian. I was just going to mention, we, in the past we've offered to do a free
2: portfolio checkup, a free portfolio review. And we would continue to offer that as well. Definitely. Um, and if you're not interested in that and you just want to find out how we can help you... Um, with the unique investment strategies that we we offer, and the financial planning work that we do, um, you know, give us a call and we can talk about that. There's no obligation. Yeah, all right. You know, what we normally do is we do a, a pretty thorough assessment to understand who you are, mm-hmm. what you're trying to accomplish, and take an inventory of what you've currently got in place. And if you're just looking to have a second pair of eyes, look at look at your strategy. Um, and from then, we usually say, "Hey, here's here's where you're at." Here's what you would need to retire or to achieve the goals that you're looking to get. Here's uh, some potential weaknesses in what your current strategy is. And here's what we do to fill those gaps. Mm-hmm. And so give us a call. Uh, you know, the number you were giving out, I think, is to the radio station. You know, we've kind of given out different numbers over time. If you want to call us directly here at the firm, I'm going to give that number out. You can always go to the website. You know, right, if you're listening to this, on, uh, you can link into our radio show website there and You'll get the, our number, but it's one eight hundred nine two three four three zero seven. 923 4307 That's one eight hundred nine two three four three zero seven, 923 4307 and we're set up to help people. Is that right?
3: That, that's the correct office number. That's okay. right. Okay. That's right, to All our right. office. Why, why are you guys laughing? The other number I gave out is to our uh, sort of radio voicemail. Oh, geez. Yeah. We got like three different <laughs> numbers man.
2: Sorry about that. Guys. Highly organized right here right now yeah. with enough number numbers. It's not the radio station. That's, so... I think we'll get that fixed shortly. Sounds good. Get this narrowed down to one or two numbers, but okay, let's move right along, Ethan. Yeah, and then I just briefly want
3: to on to comment on uh, sort of our advice for advisors. Uh, I think we mentioned in the past that one of the things we're looking to do is uh, ex- is grow and expand, and one of the ways we wanted to do that was by partnering with um, experienced professionals uh, who give unbiased advice uh, and help them develop their own business. And one of the things that we're, we're primarily offering is basically the infrastructure for your business. Uh, we're, we're taking away the need for you as an as individual uh, running your own business to reinvent your processes, reinvent compliance, reinvent the trading and rebalancing system that you use, uh, reinvent uh, the CRM or and or the, the client reporting aspects of your business, allowing you really to focus on servicing your clients and, and building your own, your own business and future business. So if you'd like to talk
2: about that, we'd love to talk with you. Okay. All right, moving on. Well, we were going to start today's show and just kind of go through some of the questions we've gotten recently. Um, call our you, our you, mail, you've got mail section.
1: The mail, mail is here. Mail call. Gather round, everyone. I love
2: this one. <laughs> this is a good one. Well, okay. What's in the mail. Well, <laughs> Ethan, um, we uh, let's start with uh, one question. I'll, I'll ask you the question. Uh, a, a investor was asking. Uh, why, you know, f- why would I have an advisor that, um, you know, we have a deep ground of belief that pretty much everyone should have some kind of professional advice, uh, just as we don't recommend you go out and do medical procedures on yourself. At this day and age, the the, the financial complexity involved, um, there's a lot of opportunity to uh, make mistakes and to lose large quantities of money, whether it's just missing tax manage opportunities, Mm -hmm. protecting your assets with the proper type of insurance coverages. And you can do an entire volumes of of how you properly manage your investments to maximize those. So we have a a pretty strong core belief that virtually everyone who's accumulated a reasonable amount of assets could benefit from having professional professional advice. So now you're making that decision, geez, who, who should I work with? if I am going to, and we've talked about on our program, that well, we think you need to be with somebody who, uh, their their interests are at least as closely aligned to yours as possible. And we do that by working in a fee-only structure so we don't sell products that have commissions. Right. Um, the person who you're working with should be experienced. So in our case, our lead advisors here, 15 years of experience. And they need to have some form of credential. And the two that we... The one that we like in terms of just broad being your, your point-of-contact advisor is certified financial planner designation. And anything they've done beyond that um, is, you know, excellent. Mm-hmm. But that would be at least a minimum requirement for me. The CFA is a great designation, but it's really focused primarily on investment uh, research and management. Analysis so, tells. Yeah. So anyway, th- this person was asking, Ethan, well, why, why, why should I... Um, I have an advisor that doesn't get me out of the market and get like gold. And if we go back kind of through this last crisis, uh, get me out of those risky asset classes like stocks and get me into safer investment assets when the market goes down. You know, why why would I want to pay someone um, a fee of any kind to just let me go down with the market? Right. You know, when when other people are are making money in in these other areas of gold you want to take a crack at that one?
3: Yeah, we can talk about it a little bit. Um, You know, I think one of the reasons, I mean, I would love to have um, a market timing strategy that never failed. Like if I knew with precision when to be in and be out of particular securities or asset classes, if I knew with certainty when the market would go up or go down, um, clearly we would, well, I mean, it, it would be excellent. I think we all want that. I think the reality is is that those things are really. I'd like to be able to fly too, Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like you know. There's a lot of things I. Sure, I'm with you. I mean, those those things aren't realistic. I mean, it, it's we want to believe that they're true. Uh, we want to believe that people can. There is there is a way to time the market. There is a way to pick the right securities only, uh, be in and out at the right times. But frankly, believing in that types of type of stuff is really more akin to believing in, in Santa
2: Claus. Hmm. I don't know. You I mean, mean you don't believe in Santa Claus?
3: I didn't more. I mean, when I was a kid, yeah. And it was a lot of fun. Well, who brings your gifts? <laughs> you mean now or when I was a kid? Now. Right. But uh, Is it Corey? Right. Well, my wife, she <laughs> she does buy nice gifts. Okay. Yeah. Um, but my, that's my point, though, is that those things really are not any any real way to, to base uh, an investment philosophy on. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not
2: very likely to work out, in other words. And if it does work out, it's really more chance than anything else. Well, why does it seem so obvious, then? You know, I think... If you have someone asking me this question, mm-hmm. you know, I think in their mind it seems, it seems obvious and clear that the only value or a great part of the value that um, they expect to derive from having a professional who does this for a living is, geez, shouldn't you just be making me money? Isn't that what I'm paying you for? Right. Uh, well,
3: no, I think you're, we're, we're, you're paying us primarily for our advice to help you make sound and smart investment decisions. And is it a, a good decision to, for example, load up on gold right now? Or would it have been a good decision to load up on tech stocks in the, in the year 2000, in the beginning, say, April or, or uh, January of 2000? Mm-hmm. Would it have been a good idea to load up on real estate in
2: 2003? Well, the fact that, that some advisors maybe did get out of the market, um, out of stocks during this crisis, mm-hmm. and, and maybe some of them did buy gold or put it into treasury bills or... How does that change what what you're
3: saying? I, I would say that those things are not. Uh, if that happened, I mean that's basically lucky, and I don't know how 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 um, how I would project it into the future. If it's happened one time, can they get it right every time? Mm-hmm. Likely not. And studies that we've seen that I've seen say no. It isn't. It isn't like it's a. There's no consistent pattern when it comes to being able to time in and out of the market. And if you do get it right, well, that's fortunate. Yeah. Um, but it is something you want to build. Um, uh, I think, your retirement plan or your, your future investment strategy on.
2: Right. So,
3: In other words, d- there's no consistency there.
2: Okay. Maybe what we're – so what you're saying is, you know, and this is the part of deciding the advisor that you're going to work with, is you need, to, you need to develop an understanding of how markets work yourself. Um, you, need to, you need to kind of – you need to understand the philosophy of that financial advisor Yep, I think it's and, important. And what they're going to do. And you shouldn't hire them w- without understanding exactly what the philosophy is. I think that's, you know, if if the incredibly large amount of research that, that we could present as advisors supports our, our view of how to invest in markets, mm-hmm. and you f- you feel like, hey, I'm just going to, I don't want to, I'm going to ignore that, you know. I'm going to say, hey, the world is still flat. Right. And, um, you know, the, the sun revolves around us. Um, I don't really care about how much data or, or research effects you have. That's just what I'm gonna believe and I'm gonna run my life and behave in that that, you know, that that's how things are working. Um you you probably shouldn't go to an advisor then that you know, that does uh does what we do. Right. You know, it says, Hey, we're gonna look to the empirical data on this. We're gonna look at the research, the science behind this and say, Hey, what what can we and I think that I mean, there's. I'm adding a, a different layer of a question in there, <laughs> Ethan, which is more about a philosophical debate of how to manage your investments. Sure. Um, but I, but I do believe that, you know, it's it would be it's, uh, it, you would save yourself a lot of frustration by saying, hey, if that's how I'm going to behave, I'm not going to hire an advisor that, that doesn't believe. You know, I, that's the part I I would be a little confused about because you could certainly find. Advisors who will tell you they'll get you in and out of the market or put you into these different asset classes. Mm-hmm. Um, when we get back to this. We're running out of time here, Ethan. Okay. Gotta take a quick break. We'll come right back, and we'll, we've got another question to get to. Sounds That's good. Time.
1: Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll free. 866 472 5790. 866 472 5790. Voice America Business Network.
4: Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, portfolio manager with Empirical Wealth Management. Inviting you to contact us at 1 800 923 4307. That's 1 800 923 4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E M P I R I C A L F S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at empiricalfs.com.
5: The incidence of autism has increased at an alarming rate. Approximately 1 in 150 children are affected by autism, giving autism the undesired ranking as the most prevalent childhood developmental disorder in the US. 67 children will be diagnosed today. That is nearly 1 child every 20 minutes. Autism One: A Conversation of Hope, brought to you by Endemica, hosted by Terry Aranga, illuminates how right now there's more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Autism is treatable and given appropriate therapies, children are recovering. With well-known researchers and doctors, members of Congress, and expert service providers from a wide range of disciplines, Terry offers interviews and insights highlighting the progress in areas related to autism spectrum disorders such as biomedical research and treatment, communication, education, and behavioral modalities, sociological and philosophical issues, and legislative advocacy and insurance concerns. Autism One, a conversation of hope, broadcasts each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Autism One, a conversation of hope. Through education and conversation, there is hope. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Bacilli, Radio to Thrive By. When
1: it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back
2: to Ken and Ethan. Hi, welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. This is Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. And Ethan, that phone number that we just heard was the one to the radio station. <laughs> You're exactly right this time, precisely. And since right. this is a pre, we're pre-recording these a couple of days before the show. Um, I don't think there's much fruit to be had calling that number. It's the one eight hundred two five four zero three nine eight. Is our voicemail. Yeah, that'll work here for the for the radio program. Or contact at empiradio.com. And you'd use that email if you have any questions for us, ideas, or comments about the show. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and you can reach us here directly at the firm, Ethan or myself, at one 4307 Perfect. Well, Ethan, we were in the kind of the mailbag segment. We were we were going to wrap up our com- our question uh, that we received from an investor about, geez, why why would I have an advisor if I they didn't get me into gold or or treasury bills or some other high, you know. Stable investment right before the market went down in this last crisis, um, so we were given our yeah, you were given our best shot at trying to answer that, right And to wrap it up, you had an idea. You know. Well, I just wanted to
3: mention that, that, uh, reiterate, I guess, that if you believe that markets can be timed in and out of, or you can only own securities that go up, uh, you don't really understand how investing works, and all the more reason why you should have an advisor, in my view, that, that does not do those things. Um, one of the, the value-adds, I think, and probably the primary thing that an advisor like ourselves would add is really the disciplined execution on your investment strategy. And I think we all could agree that you, if you, you eat right and exercise, mm-hmm. you know, the old doctor analogy, if you yeah. eat, an, eat right and exercise you, and are disciplined about it, you're more likely to be healthy. It's the same type of thing with investing. If you take a disciplined approach to your, your investments and your long-term investment strategy, you are much more likely to get where you want to go. And I would be—I um, would strongly suggest that you work with a, an advisor who provides a disciplined framework to help you make
2: consistently smart financial decisions. And I think it's important that if you, if you hire an advisor, you're understanding that you need—you need to follow their advice. Right. And and that's where people I think that they get into trouble and they get frustrated because they put together these really sound plans and all the investment strategies that we talk about here. Um, which have worked. I mean, the, the funny part about it is when you go back in time and you say, geez, even with the last two market downturns, had you stuck through these strategies to now for any reasonable amount of time, even for the last 10 years, which has been a pretty poor 10 years, but if you had a diversified portfolio the way that we're building them, and you, you just stuck to it and rebalanced in a disciplined fashion, you, you would be fine. Right. So the fact that people give up or are out there on their own giving up or sitting on the sidelines right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of exciting ways you can build these portfolios that that actually work. And you just you got to understand that you need to stay, you know, you're getting up before the ride is over. Right. And that's a problem. That's a good that's a good analogy. Um, you, know, good. you know, you we're, we're in sometimes you're going to go through choppy waters, but jumping off the boat is really not the solution because you're not getting to the destination. So, I don't know how that helps. Right, that's a good one. Um, and going back to the the part about you know choosing the the philosophy, um, this the, the, these guys out here who who you know claim to be you know, hey I've gotten my I've gotten you in and out of the market or we've got this strategy or that strategy, you have to realize that there there are always people out there trying different things, and some of those things are going to work. It's just that. They're not likely to continue to work in the f- future. It's always a different person. It's always a different someone who who happened to be there. And I, the analogy we've talked about is, you know, you've you've got ten thousand monkeys plinking away on a typewriter. Someone's going to some one of them's going to type up a, uh, you know, Shakespearean uh, <laughs> piece of uh, work here. Right. So is that lucky or you know what I mean? Or they're throwing darts. We've talked about that. Or they're flipping quints. Whatever. You expect a certain amount of them to be successful. The problem is you can't identify. It's like somebody is going to win the lottery eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not a good trade-off. The odds are not in your favor. Right. It's like the old mutual fund ma-
3: manager thing, right? You get, uh, hey, this fund's got five stars. In the last three years, they've gotten great returns. And what's the likelihood of that, that same mutual fund manager who's getting five stars now and on the cover of Money Magazine next year being on the cover of Money Magazine with the same five-star rating? Right. Well, it's not very likely. I mean, the, the five-star fund managers are changing every single ge- single year. That in itself means that there's not enough persistence in in the in 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 be able
2: to provide the market beating returns every single year. And it takes an an incredible amount of discipline just to stay focused on a, a particular strategy. I mean, you whatever that strategy is, in order to see it work, it takes a long time. You know, it, it, and we as people, I think, sometimes we grow it quickly impatient with things or we lose interest. I mean, how many of us have, you know, New Year's we set these re- resolutions. I'm going to learn a second language. I'm going to learn to play guitar. I'm going to learn to, I'm going to start eating right. And, you know, it it you may be very intense for a couple of months right. a lot of times, but by the end of the first half of the year, a lot of times those things just we forget that we even wanted to do them. And I think sometimes investing in financial planning, we can get on kicks where we think, Hey, I'm going to get on top of this. You know, I'm going to I'm going to get my arms around this, and you might have a good run at it. And then, you, you know, you had an analogy about suddenly you, you get a lot of you get a lot of balls in the air that you're juggling, and the one that tends to kind of slip aside is is the investment component, right? Because um, it's kind of hard to say I'm not going to see my family anymore. It's kind of hard to say I'm not going to not going to go to work anymore and focus on investing. Um, right. Right. Yeah. And what What tends to happen is you. You know, the things of life come on, take over. Well, Ethan, the next, any any other comments on that? Yeah. You know, we probably could talk about uh, that for the rest of the show, but I probably should move on. We could talk about <laughs> that uh, till the cows come home, Ethan. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. But um, we don't have any cows. I, I, <laughs> no. I well, Wait a minute. Looking for that sound. Oh, that is. A cowbell. Okay. Next question. Next question. So the other thing was um, rebalancing. You had a question, you know, we we've, seen the market do this incredible run up in the last few days we're you know last week of trading here we're seeing the market I think today we're down below eleven thousand again mm-hmm. which doesn't doesn't stress me out but uh you know that's what the market but um we had this run up and and now for some of clients that we work with it's time to it's time to rebalance, yeah that means selling some stocks now
3: and and typically buying some type of safer investment like bonds
2: and so if you started at a sixty say it's a fifty fifty portfolio stocks of bonds, mm-hmm. and you know stocks have gone up depending on which allocation you've used uh significantly yeah you know, even to date so that fifty fifty could very well be over a sixty forty now sixty percent stock and exactly typically it's our recommendation that we rebalance down to keep the risk parameters in line yep yeah, in essence uh, uh so what's have... the question
3: well I had a question and from a a person who says uh, basically just that, hey, I, the market's done very, very well here, and I'm very reluctant to go ahead and rebalance, i.e. sell stocks and buy bonds because of the couple of factors, one being the quantitative easing that the Fed's doing, um, the prospects for rising interest rates in the future. Those things don't bode well, bode well for bond investors, uh, which I guess I, I certainly understand the concern. I mean, those are those are things that should be considered when rebalancing. Um, and so my my response was a, a couple different takes on it. One of the things was, firstly, you know, the portfolio that we've built on the bond side is really, really um, a pretty conservative portfolio. You know, we own, on on the average, uh, pretty short-term securities, very high quality and and very short term. Right. So that means to me that if if rates do go up all of a sudden, interest rates, I mean, go up, um, that the effect of that on the bond portfolio in terms of loss of value will not be very significant, you know. So there's not a lot of risk in terms of, of... a uh, sharp t- decline in value relative to interest rates going up. Um, the other thing was the, the quantitative easing that's going on. Well, in essence, what's going on there, I, I think we all probably would agree that the, the re- result of that is going to be, and just maybe recap what that is what that means, the Fed's basically going out and buying bonds, and that means they're um, paying cash for the bonds, and that means they're flooding the market with more, more dollars, basically. Uh, that has the effect of, of causing inflation. At least I think that's the hope. Uh, at least what the, what the Fed's trying to do. And clearly, in an inflationary environment, bonds generally don't perform very well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the deal, right? The, you get a fixed rate if you're earning, say, 3% in a bond, but inflation's 5%, well, actually, you have a negative 2% real return. And that that's causes some concern, right? Right. Uh, and understandably so. Uh, but in this case, what we're doing, uh, along with the very short-term, at least with our empirical clients here, that on the short-term bonds that we have, we also have, uh, we're coupling that with uh, Treasury inflation-protected bonds. For about a third of the portfolio, third of the bond portfolio, so there's a very good hedge against inflation, within the context of our and the structure of our bond portfolio. Right. So what I don't want to see happen though is is a person who who should be in bonds, take stock risk instead of bond risk, instead of high quality short-term bond risk, with a portfolio. That isn't that's not an it's not an appropriate trade-off. You wouldn't right. say, hey, I'm just going to own all stocks and take stock risk, which as we've seen can be extremely volatile, and you can. You know, two thousand eight a good example. Can get down fifty percent in a year. Right. I don't want to have that type of money, particularly when, when this person is is going to be um, taking out money from their portfolio. Mm-hmm. That makes it even all the worse. All the, all the more risk um, in in keeping more more money in stocks than necessary. Right. It looks like Simon's saying that we have about one more minute. Then I have one final thought. And okay. Maybe, actually, you probably have some thoughts too. I guess I haven't let you talk yet, but it's okay. I don't need to. <laughs> uh, one last thing was. There's this, this particular person was ma- mentioning to me that, hey, well, I still have less in my total portfolio than I wanted to have when I started retirement. Right. And so this person is, is, is in effect, a number that, that he wanted to see or expected to see prior to retirement. Right. that he has slightly less than that now, which is understandable. I mean, if we're not meet, meeting our our own goals for ourselves in terms of assets, well, that can be uh, cause for some concern. Yeah, right. Um, how much time we have? Just got about 15 seconds. Let's see if I can quickly wrap it up. Then. All right. Basically, this he's anchoring to a number that really is at this point immaterial. Right. The, the real question is hey, do I have enough money from this point going forward to, to meet all my retirement goals?
2: You know, I, I think this is such important. I want, when we come back, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about this, this psychological thing of anchoring. Okay. And then we'll move into some of our other segments. Sounds great. Okay. We'll be right back. <laughs>
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at EMPIRadio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan.
2: Good afternoon and welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga, Certified Financial Planners. Ethan, let's get back to it. <laughs> All right, let's do it. We, uh, we, were talking, uh, we were talking about the two questions uh, two questions that we get, not just recently but commonly from investors, and uh, we were wrapping up on on the question of rebalancing. You know, this client person was reluctant to reallocate uh, from equities, and uh, after the market had gone up here recently, um, well, last year and a half actually, yeah, um, to to pare that down and buy bonds because the yields are very low. Right, And that person had said, "Well, geez, I'm not even back to where i I'm not quite back to where I was, and I kind of wanted to get to that number that I had in my mind before retirement mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that brought up, hey, we're talking about a um, a psychological characteristic or um, event called anchoring, and mm-hmm. where you see this a lot, I think is in when people buy homes because for most people, that's probably the most common investment. Among us as American citizens, I would say that if you know, a lot of there's still a pretty good number of people who don't have stock or bond investments, but uh, probably the, the single family home is something that most people can relate to. And what you see is that they tend, what, when people are making buying selling decisions, they have a, a tendency to focus on what they paid for the home. And part of that might make sense in terms of if you borrowed money, right, and you need to be above <laughs> what you owe on that property to sell it, and that, that's a reasonable decision if you sure. don't have the financial means to bring in cash to sell the property. But the, but I've seen that I've seen it happen a lot where people have you know no debt on the property or um, plenty of equity in the property, and, and they are reluctant and they base their sell price and decisions around what they paid for the property which is called anchoring. You're anchoring on to that. Mm-hmm. Same thing when you buy a stock. Your sell decision tends to focus around what you bought it at rather than what the value of the stock is is currently and where the money would be going. What's the new opportunity set? So I think an example of that, Ethan, would be, let's say I had a business that I was running and it had a certain value, and maybe I bought the business for a million dollars and now it's worth $800,000. Um, and somebody presented a new opportunity to me. And that new opportunity would take my $800,000 and get it to $2 million in the next year. But if I stuck with my current business, it's likely that I'll wind up maybe still at $800,000 in a year. I might be reluctant to sell my current business simply because I don't want to sell it for less than the million I put into it. But I'm, I'm totally ignoring the opportunity cost of that decision. Because I'm anchoring myself into what I paid, the decision should be based around the new opportunity, right? I get what I can for my business, but what can I do with those funds in a new opportunity set?
3: Yes, exactly. Okay, same uh, in this situation. Um, so I tried to reframe it. I tried to um, steer the conversation toward, hey, you know, we have what you have now is is enough. Looking at the the cash flow retirement planner that we've built together, the plan we have. Uh, with the allocation that we currently have, and all the expected things that are going on in your you know, your cash flow life over the course of your lifetime, you have enough money now. The, the amount of money you have in your portfolio today will most likely get you through. Mm-hmm. So there's no, no need to take more risk than, than we've already uh, allocated because your plan is already successful, um, regardless of the actual number that you had uh, envisioned at the beginning of retirement.
2: So you were saying uh, <laughs> it's more important to ignore what, what past... Values were in and focus. As if you would just receive this money and we're trying to build a retirement plan today, basically, so what would be the appropriate way to manage those investments? That's right.
3: Uh, if we, we anchor onto things, it makes us do, makes us take action, or in this case, inaction, that is less than ideal and could introduce risks that didn't exist before.
2: Right. Well, isn't that kind of what happens when someone buys an individual stock? They, they own a lot. You know, we meet with them and say, "Hey, it's not a, probably a wise idea to have all your money in one stock." Yeah. Um, but they, their sell decision is anchored around what they what their basis was in the stock, right? Rather than, geez, if this was cash, would I currently go out and buy in an, one stock right now? Mm-hmm. You know, well, most people would. When you frame it that way, they would say, "Well, no, that's crazy." You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that again. I understand the the value of diversifying now. Right. So I wouldn't do that, but they would continue to hold the same stock they have because they think, well, when it gets back up to here, this level is when I'll sell it. Right. Um, and so it really is an exercise in, in trying to get, get us away from the emotional and psychological side and into the rational part of it. Right. Yeah. And that's why you get an advisor involved in a lot of cases. No doubt about it. So you may have the knowledge, just like we said, you know that you should diversify. You know it's not prudent, but you're... You know your gut just isn't allowing you to make that decision mm-hmm. to cut the cord on the on the stock because you're the fear of you know regret that it goes up as soon as you sell it okay well ethan let's uh let's move right along here we uh we were going to talk a little bit about we've continued to go through a list of of uh things that investors should do smart decisions they can make to manage their money right now post-financial crisis and market's down a couple hundred points as we speak. There's some you know, news in China and Europe and um, some things going on, but our advice is always to uh, try as much as you can to ignore the day-to-day fluctuations mm-hmm. uh, of the market and the noise and the news that's going on and stay focused on your longer-term objectives. So, you know, the market got up to over 11400 Now we're below it. Mm-hmm. If anything, try to use your you know, you, you work in a counterintuitive way and say, Hey, if I've been sitting on the sidelines, I mean, now is a chance the market's gone down a little bit. Maybe now is a chance to regroup and talk about reintroducing a long term prudent strategy. And so, uh, the two things that we were going to talk about, you know, we had 17 items we've been kind of clicking through, and uh, you can go back through the archives and listen to these shows. But the two things we hadn't talked about. Uh, we're accounting for inflation and and uh, and then managing taxes, hmm, right? And so I thought maybe we could tackle the inflation issue first, Ethan. Sure,
3: maybe uh, you know yeah. I'll kick it off. Um, you know, we as investors probably have a, a well, we all do have a tendency to to be focusing on the things in the environment right now that uh, seem most urgent to us, sort of things that happen. right now it probably seems like today apparently is is the China and Ireland woes. It says on the uh, on the screen here, that's yeah. sort of what's driving the market downward today. Right. You know, yesterday it was probably something a little different, and tomorrow it probably will be something different yet again. Mm-hmm. Um, and making changes based on the, the news headlines of the day, which we're real inclined to, right? We, we all have a knee-jerk reaction when the market drops 200 points. No one likes it. No one right. feels good about that. Right. And uh, converse is true when market goes up 200 points unexpectedly. Boy, we like that a lot. But to be making. Changes day-to-day uh, or making decisions day-to-day with you in the context of your portfolio based on the current, like today's market news, is probably not a good idea. Right. I mean, we all we all, we all, all tend to say it not, it's not feel good when things go down like today, and we will probably be making inappropriate decisions for our portfolio based on that emotion. So excluding that from the, the, the factors in terms of making decisions is probably a good idea. Right. And I think another thing relative to inflation, getting back to that, Frankly, that's the, probably the, one of the biggest concerns that most people should be concerned about, uh, which is that's the thing that erodes the wealth over time. And it's kind of the silent killer, if you will, right? Yeah, It's over time just eats away, gnaws away at your wealth. And that is really the enemy here. It isn't so much what's happening in China today. right? It isn't what's happening in Ireland today. It isn't the, you know, the, the, the quantitative easing. Those things aren't the enemy. The enemy in your portfolio and your financial life, frankly, is inflation. And your portfolio should be designed to... Mitigate as much of that risk as possible over the course of your lifetime.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean they're they they're the quintessential termites of wealth, where you know slowly they're eating away at the foundation of your portfolio, and and you often don't realize it until decades have come by and and uh, you've been too conservative with the with the portfolio. And so I mean going back to our friend Roger Ibbotson we had on the program his his table of stocks, bonds, bills, and inflation from mm-hmm. 1926 through the end of. 2009. I mean, you had treasury bills returning Uh, 3.7 percent a year, and uh, inflation was about 3 percent. So, you know, yeah, you you need to you need to stay ahead of it. And for most people, if they want to live the lifestyle that they that they uh, have come to enjoy in retirement, they need to not only manage inflation but try to get ahead of it. Right. And try to get. And that's the part about you know stocks have done a good job of doing that. I mean, through that, that 26 through 2009 period, I mean, that's p 500 type stocks have averaged close to 10%. So it's given you a really good, um, I don't care what anyone says, if you look at the portfolios that we've constructed or you just look at simple indexes that go back in time, publicly traded stocks have done a great job or could have done a great job for anyone in building wealth. That's um, right. They, they are the one of the most cost efficient ways to put. I mean, how how do you buy um, non publicly traded illiquid assets at a hundred dollars a month?
5: <laughs> you know,
2: I, I don't know how you do that. Makes it know hard. Know I mean, so I, th- I I feel for the smaller investors who who because of the market noise and the way the media portrays Wall Street and the scandals and makes everyone feel like hey the thing is slanted against me. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about that yesterday. That that's not really the case that the market, if you if you use it right as a powerful tool and harness its power, it's hugely slanted in your favor. That's right. It's when you choose to treat it like a casino that you get you wind up getting uh hurt. Exactly. And um so, you know, it's a very powerful tool to stay ahead of inflation and we had some uh I wanna we'll give some examples of going back in time. Inflation has changed the value of things, but we've got to take a quick break, Ethan. Okay. And uh, again, if you want to give us a call, 1 800 923 4307, is at the firm, and send us an email at contact at empiradio.com. We'll be right back.
5: Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel.
1: From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact. At empirradio.com. Now back to
2: Ken and Ethan. Welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken and Ethan. Ethan, we were talking about uh, things investors should be considering right now, particularly after the crisis, and where you, you know investors have, a lot of them are still on the sidelines and are confused and don't know what to do. And as the markets continue to run up, just as usual, there's this period of, hey, I don't think this is real, and uh, people continue to to sit on the sidelines, or um, or in other cases, you know, our psychological quirks cause us to make others, we're too aggressive. But we're talking about the need to stay ahead of inflation, mm-hmm. and uh, we found this cool little website that, that um, allows you to go back decades and year by year and look at the... The price of things, and you know, even for example, what does a uh, what does a stamp cost today? You know that? Is it forty-three or forty-two cents? I thought it was forty-four cents. Forty-four cents, <laughs> dude. I have to I have to answer the questions for you. <laughs> it's even higher than I thought. <laughs> uh, just kidding. I know you have a lot of assistance, so you never actually do any mailing or send anything out. But uh, no, that's not guys true. like me, I have to yeah. stamp my own. I just assume like. this
3: when I you go when I go to the
2: machine <laughs> and it stamps my stamp. I assume it already has the correct uh, postage on it. Uh, yeah. Anywho, <laughs> what do you think uh stamp was first class stamp back in 1970? Uh 10 cents. 6 cents. Oh my. And um the cost of uh a gallon of milk in 1970? I don't know. Maybe it was $1.50. $1.15. Oh, wow. So, I don't know what it is now. It's got to be what you, you You or don't so. buy your own milk? You know, I I uh Typically, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it's over, uh, yeah, $3. And in 1999, it was three thirty-two, right? according to this sheet. So um, I think it's pretty interesting. If we go back, let's go back to 1970 again there, Ethan. And um, you could get a house, cost of a new home, $26,000. Wow. Uh, $26,600, you could buy a new house. That was the average price in the 60s. It was, uh, 1960, you could get a house for $16,500. Hmm. So, you know, these things just kind of creep up on you. And before you know it, you know, uh, what, what is a $300,000 house today, right? Mm-hmm. was a $16,000 house in 1960, probably. Yeah. So.
3: Yeah, same thing with, you know, they have the other eggs here, eggs in 1970, uh, A dozen eggs cost looks like sixty-two cents. A gallon of gas, thirty-six cents. Wow! You know now it's about a buck or three sixty or so, probably ten times higher than that. So that's inflation at work. I mean, the prices between then and now—that's what inflation is, and that's the stuff that uh, you know really is eroding people's wealth, particularly if it's not invested properly. Right. I mean, you compound the fact that the power of of destruction with inflation relative to your your. Investable wealth, and then combine that with a very investment time period, like the last decade, right, bookended by two terrible markets. You need to have an allocate, an alle- a good disciplined strategy that's going to be able to uh, prevent these types of things, bad markets and inflation, from eroding your wealth.
2: I mean, if you're building for retirement and you're just, you know, you're just keeping pace with inflation uh, or dragging behind it, you're really not making any progress. Right. Um, so. It's it's definitely something that should be... We had uh, Robert Schiller um, on, professor from Yale and an author of several great books. Uh, he talked about the need, because the American public, he was saying, you know, they really don't understand how inflation affects their wealth. And he was thinking... He was saying things should be denominated uh, in units that account for inflation. And I think one of the South American countries already do this. So when they quote... Um, when they quote the value, of different things. It's it's in their inflation-adjusted units, hmm. mm-hmm. um, and I think that's a great idea. I think certainly when when we look at building retirement plans and portfolios, um, it's the what we call the real returns that are important, and those are the returns adjusted for inflation. So a lot of times you you, you might look back into the '70s and say, "Hey, wow, you know, I, interest rates were really high back then, um, and I could have earned a lot just." Owning a bond portfolio during that period, but you also had inflation very high.
3: Exactly, you had <laughs> you
2: had yields around twelve percent on on treasury
3: bonds or, or CDs at the time, but guess what? Inflation was higher than that, right? Right. At times, you had fifteen or, or higher percent, and infl- so you, had, you actually still had a negative real return after inflation during those periods of times. Yeah. And I think most people get it that obviously you know things cost more. No one likes that. They go to the store, food costs more, you know, fuel costs more, things cost more. But I guess what my point is this maybe our point is this that how do you protect yourself or insulate yourself from that negatively impacting you well you have to invest properly right you have to have a, a dynamic portfolio that's been built with this in mind and uh, more often than not I would say that doesn't happen within the context of people's personal investments and why one other, another reason why you should have a, a, a professional working for you that knows this stuff
2: right I mean one of the one of the if there's any positives about the interest rates being so low, um, other than if you're a person who's borrowing money right now mm-hmm. and, and can gain access to the credit markets, mm-hmm. um, it, one of the positive things is that we have had reasonably low inflation. So while you're not while you're not earning great interest rates, you're also not. We haven't had prices increasing dramatically. Right. Um, so you have to kind of consider those, and it's the real returns in any particular uh, period of time that you have to look at and the expected returns between these asset classes. So if it's stocks to bonds, um, really the relationship should always be viewed within the context of inflation, Mm -hmm. adjusting for inflation. The last thing we had uh, here on the list, it was accounting for taxes and managing taxes, Ethan. And we were talking prior to the show show here, we only got a couple of minutes, so maybe we just do a quick summary. But one of the things we were talking about is if you're heading into retirement, and you're mapping out a distribution strategy. There are a lot of different things to consider, and I really we can talk about ideas here, but I would strongly recommend you talk with your tax advisor or a professional financial advisor, mm-hmm. much like yourself. Exactly. And uh, but the things I thought maybe we could lay out some of the things. I mean, you, you've got different buckets of, of investments, likely you've probably got a home. Um, you you're probably have a retirement account hopefully you have a retirement account. That may be a 401k or 403b. Could be pre-tax money that went into that. Could be after-tax money if you're just making regular traditional IRA contributions with after-tax money. And you could have a Roth account. And I think for the next few years coming up, we'll see those mixes in our retiring clients' accounts. And so the questions are, and we can jump into this next uh, show, um, are, uh, well, how do we how do we get the money out of these in the most tax-efficient way? What are ideas around that? Should I pull it all out of my taxable account first? Should I pull it out of my Roth? What what should I do? And we've we've got a lot of ideas that we can share. Things that we manage. Uh, usually when we have a client who's into retirement, we're we're managing and looking at these strategies year by year, depending on what's going on. A client might have high medical. Uh, expense deductions, or mayb- maybe they want to make a large charitable contribution, which enables us to do some certain things in a particular year, mm-hmm. um, where we're locating the different assets. We talked a little bit about that last show, but what kind of investment be- investments are we putting into each of these buckets? Because taxes is something based that we can control. We can't control the market, right? But we can control what we do to create or manage our tax liability. Right. Well, Ethan, we're out of time today, though, so... We'll be back next week, and we'll jump in on this tax discussion. All right. And uh, thank you very much. If you have any questions, give us a call. Again, uh, 1-800-923-4307 or contact at empiradio.com. Hopefully you enjoyed the show today and learned something. And uh, we'll see you next week.
1: We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you next week. The advice given on this show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended as investment advice. Please consult a financial advisor before undertaking any investment decisions. While the show's producers have tried to provide accurate and timely information and have relied on sources they believe to be reliable, the show may include inadvertent technical or factual inaccuracies. Ken Smith and Ethan Broga do not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the materials provided and expressly disclaim any warranties or merchantability or fitness for a particular purpose.